Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellbeing podcast. My name's Maria Brosnan. I'm the founder of Pursuit and your host for the show. This podcast is dedicated to providing wellbeing information, inspiration, and support for teachers, leaders, and school staff around the world. My guest today is Victoria Hewitt. Victoria is subject leader for geography and environmental science, along with professional tutor for early career teachers at Tunbridge Grammar School. The teacher behind Mrs. Humanities on Twitter, author of Making It as a Teacher and proud ambassador for the UK charity, the Education Support Partnership. Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Great to have you here today. We're recording this at the at the last day of half term in October. So I just wanted to firstly check in and see how you are, how it's been going, and just a little kind of check-in of what school's been like for you. Yeah, it's been enjoyable but very strange. Um, we are working so that the students stay where they are and the teachers move around. So we're all getting our step count up quite a bit. Um, and I guess it's just kind of getting used to the new normal, as everyone keeps saying. Yeah, yeah. And so tell me, what is it um, in in terms of workload? Let's kind of dive straight in because I know on your website, and I'll, and I'll put a link to it a little bit later, but you've got tons of resources, fantastic resources, talking about workload. What can, what can we talk about practically today? What advice would you give practically to help manage workload under these current circumstances? I'd say the first thing is to recognise that actually there's only so much we can do under the current circumstances and being kind to ourselves and recognising that actually it's okay if we don't get everything done because there's so much more to think about at the moment. Um, and I'm finding that, for instance, with the remote teaching, um and then also that the classroom teaching you're trying to balance several things at once and as a result you're just your mind is just everywhere yeah. um so at the moment the one thing i would say is kind of like the thing to focus on is trying to do less and do less but better quality with that um so for instance within our curriculum in school we haven't taken anything out but we're trying not to cover it in too much depth and too much kind of um, faff, so to speak, mm. so that actually the students are getting what they need for, say, the GCSE curriculum or the um, IB curriculum. But I'm not doing all the kind of other inquiry stuff that we normally do as well, uh, just so then they're actually focusing on what they need going forward. I, and you make a really good point about doing things, doing less better. Do you have a personal kind of system or a way of filtering that? You know, how do you prioritise the most important things? So I like to use the Eisenhower matrix um, and kind of look at the things that I need to do immediately straight away, the things that are going to be of most importance to um, my teaching practice, basically. So the things that are for my classroom always come first. And then it's just prioritising tasks and things that I need to do. Um, and looking at what I might be able to delegate, um, what can wait a little while, and then what can eventually get to the bottom of the list and never get done. Yes, I, I have a to-don't list. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so tell me, what, what's the, I haven't heard of the Eisenhower matrix. What's that? Um, so basically, um, I kind of use it slightly differently to the, the actual matrix. But basically, it is just four divisions of 
a task or, or, or jobs that you need to do. Um, and it is kind of just prioritizing those that need to do done now and immediately, those that need to be done but can wait, those that could be delegated and those that eventually just sink to the bottom of the list and disappear. Right. I get you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a similar one and it's urgent and important and it's yeah. just, you fill in the matrix of those things and it sounds like you get to a similar result. I think yeah. it's so useful to have some kind of framework to help you make those decisions because otherwise it can be just so overwhelming, can't it, when you've got so much to do? Absolutely, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think at the moment, because there is so much that is overwhelming us, um, you know, teachers that are also parents, they've got the childcare at home, they've got the... Um, the COVID changes within schools and then, you know, trying to teach remotely or virtually as well as in the classroom. It's, it's just so much to think about. Yeah. And you talk about um, setting up your computer for easy access in lessons. So tell us more about that, just some practical steps that you use. Yeah. So um, one of the things I've done is, so we are now within my school, we are using Teams and SharePoint for. Um, kind of all computer access so all our resources that used to be on the school system are now on SharePoint so what I've done is I've bookmarked everything um, onto my Google Chrome um, and as a result it means I can just kind of click at a button and it, everything is there that I need that day um, so first thing in the morning I will bookmark any websites that I want to use with students, any videos that I want to use with students so then I'm not having to wait for them to download during the lesson um, and basically, it's just everything's there at the click of a button. Yeah, yeah. And any, well, tell us, give you, give us the link to your website, and tell us a bit more about your website and and what resources um, colleagues could find there. Okay. Um, so my website is mrshumanities.com, and essentially, it's a kind of resource for geography, history, and um, sometimes the other humanities. And on there, I've got lots of resources that can be used within lessons. Um, I've also got packs of resources on there. So anything that kind of just helps other teachers to reduce their workload a little bit. Um, I've also got quite a variety of just general teaching and learning activities and um, resources. So things like a template bank of just blank resources that can then be adapted to suit different needs. Um, basically, the aim is just to help others to reduce their workload. And that's amazing. And um, what what made you think of doing that when you're clearly your own workload is uh, is is heavy as as all teachers are. What made you what made you think to do that? So basically, the the last school I was working at, I was a solo um, department. Um, those that did also teach humanities were from other different other departments and therefore they were non-specialists and basically I was creating all these resources and it was taking me hours and I just felt that you know they were being used by myself and really they could probably be used by other people so I figured that whilst I was spending hours making these I might as well share them to save hours for other people um, and because I started using Twitter at the same time as well what I found was that people were willing to share with me so I kind of wanted to give something back to um, maybe other people that were looking for a little bit of support um, and yeah that's where it kind of arose from. 
Nice. I think Twitter's great for that, isn't it? For Absolutely. It, it, yeah, the education community on Twitter is remarkable. So you're the you're the ambassador to the Education Support Partnership. So can you tell us about that? How how did you come to that role and and what do you do? So I'd say I'm probably more more than just the um, ambassador. I'm, I'm one of quite a few. Um, and basically, I kind of got involved with the charity after I had to reach out to them for support. Um, in 2016, I had a bit of a mental breakdown as a result of work um, workload and uh, workplace stress. And by calling Ed Support, it gave me the confidence to take some time off work. Um, try and recover to some extent and kind of get back on my feet. Um, I, I do believe that if I hadn't spoken to them, I probably would have ended up leaving teaching. And as a result, I kind of shared my story um, with Ed Support and they did a little blog on it um, and then kind of went from there. So I've done a few kind of peels with them and a couple of and a video with them and I'm currently working on something for Christmas this year as well. Mm. And what would you say to people that are listening to this podcast that might be in the position that you were in leading up to that that time of of burn burnout or breakdown for you? Um the first thing I would say there the first bit of advice would be accept how you're feeling. Um, it's okay if you do not feel okay, essentially. Um, because I, at the time, I felt very guilty about the way I was feeling. I felt quite selfish um, because I was burdened with workload, but I felt like I needed to do it for other people. Um, so then when I was feeling kind of stressed and anxious because of that, I was, it was very kind of, for me, it was, I, I felt like I was being selfish about it. Um, but then I realized that actually it's okay to find things hard it's okay to feel stressed and anxious um and once I started to kind of accept that that's when I started to recover um but unfortunately because I didn't recognize that soon enough it meant that I got to the point where I did break down I burnt out and it took a lot longer to recover from that than if I'd noticed prior to actually getting to that point so it's really important to kind of check in with how you're feeling and if you do find yourself being stressed, anxious, worried, um, and the likes, that you then reach out sooner rather than later so you don't actually get to the point where you are breaking down or burning out. Um, yeah, and that's where people can ring out support and, and get that kind of guidance and hopefully that confidence to do something. Yeah. And what what were the symptoms that you experienced or possibly even what are some um, some symptoms that other people might be experiencing that are that are red warning lights that 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 they should be looking out for? Oh, where do I start with that one? Mm. Um, <laughs> so for me, it was a kind of sick feeling in my stomach every morning. I didn't want to go to work, um, and when I thought about work, I would get quite panicked about it. I'd think about the to-do list that I had and, you know, sometimes I would I would physically shake. Um, and I think there were probably a few warning signs before that point, just having that kind of nervousness when, when going to work, um, kind of having days where I was a little bit more emotional than I probably would have normally been, um, being very tired, exhausted. 
um, and recognizing that actually you are feeling stressed, you you are feeling anxious or worried. Um, it's kind of yeah, probably one of the first things to look for is is that just that sense of dread. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah, definitely. And and to do something then rather than you know you describe feelings of guilt and I think that it's such a common feeling for teachers to feel that they're letting somebody down yeah but but not to ignore those feelings because it, it's not going to get better on its own yeah yeah absolutely yeah you definitely so tell us need about to your book I'm sorry go ahead you definitely need to reach out if you if you are feeling in that way yeah, definitely. And and sooner rather than later. So your book is called Making It as a Teacher, How to Survive and Thrive in the First Five Years. How did that book come about? And tell us a little bit about that. Um, so essentially, it all kind of arose from a blog I wrote, a blog post. Um, I'd reached the, the end of my first five years in teaching. And I'd written this kind of reflection about each year um, of my teaching experience to that date and from there I was then contacted by um, somebody at Rutledge and just asked would I be interested in writing a book and it kind of just went from there um, and then before I knew it I'd published it and you know it was on bookshelves and <laughs> <laughs> well done and what are the what are the key messages from your book um, the key message is definitely that the first five years can be challenging. They can be difficult because you are learning and getting to grips with so much. You're learning everything from behaviour management, time management to actual classroom practice, working with parents, working with colleagues. There's a lot to take on board, but it does get easier. And it might be that you have to try several different workplaces before you find what fits and what works for you um, and that actually there's there's lots of opportunities within the education sector if you do find that the school that you are at isn't right and you know you want to go elsewhere there's lots of ways that you can do that um, and again it's that kind of reaching out and, and and taking the steps to kind of help yourself essentially. And you talk about the power of uh, learning to say no. How it, I, I see this a lot. I'm in schools a lot or talking with teachers a lot and senior leadership teams. <clears throat> Boundaries can be very, um, very easy to cross, very unclear, especially now when, when staff are working at home if not full-time, but at least part-time or taking work home in, in different ways. How do you set clear boundaries? How do you learn how to say no? Um, so for me, it has been a lesson I learned the hard way. Um, I used to say yes to everything um, to the point that when I was having or going through the breakdown experience, before I actually reached that point, um, I was asked to write a well-being policy and I said yes um, and you know it was one of those things that never got done um, but the fact that I then got to the point where I did burn out I, I couldn't keep saying yes I, I really did learn the hard way but 
I hope that now that people are starting to think about well-being a lot more within schools and also thinking about workload alongside that, I'm hoping that people are starting to see that actually it is okay to say yes to the things that really matter and say no to the things that may not necessarily be a benefit to your classroom practice or um, you know your aspirations for progression and, and focusing on the things that are most important to you which for the majority of us is the actual classroom teaching. I was reading a blog that you did about teacher five a day and and the and and how that helped you in in finding a kind of framework for your own well-being. So tell us about teacher five a day for people who don't know what it is and and what what their work did and what you did with your pledges with teacher five a day. Hey, um, so Teacher Five a Day, I first got involved with that, I think it was about 2015, 2016. And the idea is that you kind of pledge to achieve these five little kind of standards. So the one is connect. Um, so actually kind of getting out and connecting with your friends, your family and building those relationships. The others are exercise, pretty obvious, learn again quite obvious um notice so actually taking the time to notice the things around you and the final one is give volunteer volunteer that's yeah. it um, so the idea of kind of giving back um in some way or other um and what i did was i didn't kind of follow it to the extent that some people did but i had it as a guidance for myself and in doing so it kind of just allowed me to step back from being a teacher a bit and think about myself as a, as a human being um, and, and essentially find myself and the person that I, I am outside of, of work. Um, the thing I found most beneficial about it was the community though um, because that gave you the support and people to talk to and just generally that kind of enthusiasm to keep going. And do you still practice the five a day? Is that part of your kind of well-being plan for yourself? I do. Um, I do try to. Um, it's more for me now. It's more about recognizing that I need a break and recognizing that I need to go and connect with people, um, and then actually finding the time to make sure I do that. Obviously, under the current circumstances, it's slightly harder, um, but just trying to find alternative ways of doing so has been really important. And what about being kind to yourself? What do you do to take care of yourself? So to take care of myself, I generally try to exercise quite a bit. Um, I haven't done quite so much in the last few weeks because I've just been so exhausted from work. Um, but if I'm not doing that, then I'm kind of um, journaling or um, writing letters or reading, just kind of having calm moments where I can just take things at a leisurely pace and just connect with myself. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I. Because the, the the work that I teach in my online course, I use the five ways as, as the framework for the course that I teach. And I think it's such a foundational way to understand our our well-being and, and to create, create a framework and a model that we can yeah. use to, to build on. We're coming to the end of our time, Victoria. Is there anything else you'd like to, to add about 
anything that you think would help your colleagues that that are listening to the podcast today? Um, just that it's it's just so important to check in on yourself, check in on your colleagues, and reach out as and when you need to, whether that's to a friend, a family member, or a professional organisation such as the the Ed Support. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Victoria Hewitt. You can connect with Victoria on Twitter at Mrs Humanities and her website is mrshumanities.com and the education support partnership is uh, educationsupport.org.uk. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. Now check out our website, pursuitwellbeing.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I love getting your feedback and learning how we can improve our program.